Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. On Wednesday, May 25th, there was yet another school shooting here in the U.S., at least 19 children and two adults were murdered at an elementary school in Uvalde, Texas. This was the 213th mass shooting of the year and the deadliest school shooting since Sandy Hook. And while many are calling for stronger gun control laws, others are taking a different approach. We can't stop bad people from doing bad things. We can potentially arm and prepare and train uh, teachers and other administrators to respond quickly. Some officials, including Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton, are calling for more guns on campus, and specifically to arm teachers. Having the right training for some of these uh, people at the school is the best hope. And and nothing's going to work perfectly, but that, in my opinion, is is the best answer to to this problem. In a previous three-part series called Armed, Vice News Report's producer Jen Kinney looked into that option. So today, we're bringing you that series again. It originally aired in 2020. Just a heads up, this episode contains descriptions of a school shooting and the sound of gunshots. Hey, Arielle, it's Jen Kinney. I'm just finishing up this reporting that I've been doing in Ohio and Florida and at this pretty intense training that I went to. I've been doing some reporting on how schools respond to school shootings. And even though... School shootings are actually really rare. Schools have just been turning to more and more extreme measures to try and prevent them. And what I learned over the past nearly two years is that this thing that I thought was just a debate, a conversation that we were having, is actually happening in hundreds of schools across the country. I've been looking into this movement to arm teachers and other school staff. So... That's what I'm going to tell you about today. We're going to start with one school and how this idea that arming some of their teachers is what school safety looks like. This is Vice News Reports. I'm your host, Ariel Zemros. They say a good guy with a gun stops a bad guy with a gun. We call BS. Pens, markers, and a gun. That's what some lawmakers want teachers to be armed with in the classroom. Be polite, be professional, but have a plan to kill everyone you meet. This week, our reporter Jen Kinney tells the story. It's the first in a three-part series we're calling Armed. Episode 1, Soft Targets.
We are driving to Madison Local High School. I'm pulling up to a high school in Ohio, in a small town between Dayton and Cincinnati. It's a big brick building surrounded by farmland. It's a school that had a shooting. And then all hell broke loose when teachers started carrying guns. We just passed a sign, attention. Certain staff at Madison are trained and may be armed to safeguard our students and staff. In the beginning when I went there, it was, it was a fairly positive environment. Like it was fairly close-knit. Everybody kind of knew everybody. Cooper Caffrey was a student at Madison High. I'm Cooper Caffrey. I'm really into music. I play guitar. He's such a teenager. He's tall, but in that way where he just got tall. He's super skinny. I'm really into, like, politics and government and English in particular. Like, You guys want some pizza? We have a full pizza in the car. This is Marty, Cooper's dad. I think you should pause for a smoke break. Marty's got a beard and a bunch of tattoos. It's me and four boys. He has three brothers. Yeah. Marty and Cooper talk like they're friends. Like You'd be like, Cooper, clean your room. He's like, but Dad, don't you remember the time I got shot in school? I was there to talk about how Cooper had been shot in his school cafeteria when he was 13. We have talked about it a lot, he and I, and I, and, but I, I don't think it's, we've been asked about it a lot. Um, do, we, do we laugh about it too much? Are you uncomfortable that we laugh about it? No, I, I like to pride myself on my dark sense of humor. But at the time, it was fucking not funny. For the record, it was not fucking funny at all. Yeah. It was a long time ago. It was eighth grade. It was 2016. It's actually February 29th, so it's a leap day. He dropped me off that morning, I believe, right? Every morning, yeah. So Cooper will be 18 in June. Uh, And every time he gets out of the car now, I still get a kiss on the cheek. And so it was just that kind of every morning routine. I believe that the class that I had before lunch was science. The eighth graders have an early lunch, so Cooper gets to the cafeteria around 11, 11.30, and he's sitting with a friend. I I bought lunch. I I remember this specifically because it's since made a lot of jokes about it. I had chicken nuggets. Also in the cafeteria was another eighth grader, Ocean Ballard. I was having a good day because I think I finished my math homework and that was my hardest class. Ocean's family goes way back in Madison. She's never been to a big city before, never been too far from home. I was eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich when it happened. Some people said that it sounded like lunch trays dropping. The first thought that went through my head was maybe it was a paintball gun because senior prank had been recently. And then Cooper realizes that he himself has been shot. I saw Austin pointing the gun. Cooper's friend, Austin Hancock, is standing over him. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I got shot. It was very warm at first and then very cold because I started going into shock. I was laying on the floor, like, bleeding. It was very much that moment of realization of, like, oh, shit. This is, yeah. um, What was that thought? It was sort of like an I'm a statistic. Cooper didn't know this at the time, but he had just become the 11th person to be shot in a school in the U.S. in 2016. It was only February.
The rest of the students are in their classrooms, like Eva Adams, a self-described emo cheerleader who scandalized her classmates by listening to Lana Del Rey. The announcements came on very abruptly, and we instantly knew that something was wrong. Within 15 minutes, Austin, the shooter, has been caught. A helicopter arrives, and it takes Cooper and another student who's been shot to the hospital. All the lights are off. You lock the doors. Eva can see the helicopters through the window. Information and misinformation are pinging around everyone's phones. Eva's teacher is crying. And Eva's worried about her four siblings who are somewhere in the school. It felt like 30 seconds, but it was about two and a half hours that we were in lockdown. Marty, Cooper's dad, is at work. I got one of those alerts shooting in Madison cafeteria. And it was just kind of like, a, oh, that's fucking weird. And then I got a call. You can see there are parents outside. There are firefighters. There are police officers outside. Then a SWAT team arrives and evacuates the school. Parents are there to pick those students up. The lockdown has been lifted. Students are allowed to go home. Like, leaving the school, I just knew the school was never going to be the same because the principals were, like, lining the halls and they all had blood on them and all the SWAT team was there and they all had their guns and you could just see so many lights and it was just the most surreal experience ever, just walking through the hallways. I thought that this was going to be a chance for everyone to, like, open their eyes and come together. Now we've all been through something together but that didn't really happen. It kind of tore everyone apart. This is our first look at Madison, junior, senior high school. Four students have been injured. The attack is sending this community into a panic. Madison local schools will be closed tomorrow. So now Cooper and Ocean and Eva are part of this super shitty, very American club, a school and students that have survived a school shooting. Cooper felt like a statistic, and there was a whole grim archive for him to turn to. For a minute there, you became like the... Expert on school shootings. Yeah, like the soothsayer on school (laughs) shootings. And I would find you at 4 o'clock in the morning in the bathroom watching YouTube videos. I remember like a week after I got shot watching the footage of Columbine happen, like the available security footage that like, and I definitely should not have been doing that to myself. Cooper says Austin, the kid who shot him, was one of his closest friends. They met in wrestling. They had plans to go fishing together that summer with Marty. Cooper never gets to talk to Austin again. So he decides to say something at Austin's sentencing hearing. There are many questions that I have for you, Austin. Why me? Why Cameron? Why at all? I want you to know that I forgive you. People think that's crazy and keep telling me I should be mad and I have a right to be mad, but I'm not. That wasn't the Austin that I knew. The Austin I knew was one of my best friends, not the kid holding the gun in the cafeteria. Austin's sent to a juvenile detention center in Ohio until he turns 21. He's still there today. It's the first time since Monday's shooting, and both teens and parents had fears about today's return. Teachers go back the day after the shooting, and then students follow. The shooting happened on a Monday, and they're back in school by Wednesday morning. I actually was sick to my stomach to come to school today, but my mom made me. Parents continuing to get their children 
back in the swing of things. Eva, who watched the SWAT team swarm the school. Every time the announcements would come on, I would jump. I would not spend time in the hallways. I would basically run to my classes because I didn't want to be a target. A lot of people, including me, felt that because no one died, the shooting would happen again and people would die this time. So the school wants to try and make sure that students feel safe again. The superintendent, Curtis Philpot. Uh, my name is Curtis Philpot, and um, I'm a school guy. And Curtis had been at the school during the shooting. He was with the school police officer when they heard the gunshots. So we were there within 15 seconds of the gunfire. And when we got there, it was literally just, it was an empty cafeteria. You could still see just pieces of kids running out. Literally, I was, I just remember sheer panic. I mean, I just remember being overwhelmed by what do I do next? What do I do next? What, you know, in the weeks after the shooting, Curtis goes around and he talks to all of the students in small groups and he asks them. And what made them feel unsafe and what do you, what do you think we should do differently? And what I heard overwhelmingly was kids loved our school. They loved our school environment and they didn't want it to feel like a prison. They didn't want to walk through metal detectors. They didn't want bars and, and barbed wire and they didn't Still, want Curtis felt like he had to do something. After the shooting, we hired a second school resource officer. Madison goes from one part-time officer to two full-time police in the school. We changed some protocols. The school buys this shatterproof film to place over glass windows. They buy handheld metal detectors. There's a nearly $3 billion school safety industry pushing schools to buy all kinds of products like this. Madison goes from spending about $25,000 on security to over $100,000 in less than a year. I think we did a really good job of, of making the right amount of changes without changing the culture because I was scared to death. But there was one change the school did not make, even though some people in the community were really pushing for it. Around this time, Curtis would call Marty, Cooper's dad, and ask him what he thought of different safety plans. It was, you know, we're getting pressured. And it wasn't armed teachers at that point. It was to have a, a localized gun box, if I remember correctly, in the, in the main office. Um, and I, was, I, I wouldn't be comfortable with more guns being in the school. The kids didn't want staff armed. I heard that loud and clear from, from the kids. They didn't want their teachers to be carrying uh, weapons. And so they decide, no armed teachers. And this is not some out there idea. By the time Cooper was shot in 2016, some Ohio schools have been arming their teachers for years. There are already armed teachers in schools just 15 minutes away. This movement started in the 1990s. Fashion decision of the 90s. There's this big push going on by gun rights activists to allow more guns in more places. States are passing concealed carry laws that let people take their guns almost anywhere they go. We're talking about hiding a two to four pound hunk of metal. This is also a time when there's a lot of anxiety about violence in schools. 
Prosecutors, police, and reporters are labeling black and brown teens as super predators, and police are increasingly assigned to city schools. Walk-through metal detectors like these may not be enough. And then in rural and suburban America, there are some of the first school shootings that really rattle the nation. Hello, and welcome back to Elaine's Talk Back Live. There are now two students dead in yesterday's shooting rampage at an Oregon high school. I found this clip of a debate on CNN in 1998. The audio isn't great. It's a year before Columbine, and there's been another shooting at a school in Oregon. So this Georgia politician goes on TV. First of all, to you, Mitch, uh, what's your idea? How can we stem the violence in schools? As far as I can tell, this one local state representative, Mitchell Kay, makes one of the first public bids for armed teachers on national media. What I'd like to see is subject to local board of education approval, proper training and knowledge about firearms where the students would not know who has access to a weapon or not. The other guests on the show, like a teacher in Georgia, they push back. No, I do not want a gun. I chose to be a teacher, not a police in a school. But after every mass school shooting, that's exactly what happens. After Virginia Tech in 2007. A rural Texas school district has made a decision that appears to be the first of its kind in the country. Teachers are now permitted to carry guns. Harold, Texas is located near the border with Oklahoma. After the shooting at Sandy Hook Elementary School in 2012. Two school districts near Dayton, Ohio, have a confidential team of teachers and staff trained to fire back at an active shooter. Schools in Ohio start to arm teachers. More school staff are carrying guns in Arkansas. Georgia passes an armed teacher's law. They've posted signs outside warning the public that some of their employees are armed. But exactly who is armed or how many people, that's usually a secret. The truth is we may never know that number. So I can't tell you exactly how many teachers are armed or in exactly how many schools. That's because those teachers are supposed to remain anonymous for their safety. This is supposed to be a benefit to arming teachers. A school police officer in uniform is a visible target. A teacher with a concealed handgun is an invisible threat. That uncertainty is supposed to be a deterrent to a would-be attacker. But it also means that staff, students, parents, and even other teachers are often kept in the dark. Now, every state has different laws about this, and most of the time, like with all school security, it's up to every individual school district. So you can see how the politics of any one place has a big impact on what school security looks like. Whenever there's a mass shooting, the fallout causes schools all over the country to make big changes, quickly, in these moments of mourning and fear. Shots have been fired. This is uh, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School. Almost exactly two years after Cooper's shooting, 34 people are shot and 17 are killed at a high school in Parkland, Florida, on Valentine's Day 2018. Uh, We're told that the White House is actively monitoring this situation, and of course, they uh, extend their thoughts and prayers to those who are affected. And Arming Teachers gets its highest profile supporter yet. These teachers love their students. And these teachers are talented with weaponry and with guns. 
President Trump is on TV saying maybe one out of every five teachers should be carrying guns. People that were in the Marines for 20 years and retired, people in the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, the Coast Guard, people that are adept, adept with weaponry and with guns. They teach. And this message trickles down. I think for a lot of people, including me, this was the first time that they heard about the idea of arming teachers. It sounded like just another absurd non sequitur from a president who's known for them. Most people didn't realize that teachers had been armed in the U.S. for almost 20 years. Vice News reporter Tess Owen found that in the year after Parkland, the number of school districts that armed their staff doubled, from around 250 to nearly 500. And that number includes a certain school in rural Ohio. Because the day after the shooting in Parkland, a board member at Cooper's school sends an email to everyone else on the school board that says, I think we should talk about arming school staff. We'll be right back. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. It began as an ordinary school day, and it was almost over when gunfire erupted this afternoon. This deadly mass shooting happened in Parkland, Florida, about 20 miles northwest of Fort Lauderdale. In our house, we know when there's a school shooting because someone will send a message, a text, or on Facebook saying, hey. Not someone, guys- seven million people. Yeah, will- <laughs> hey, are you guys okay? And at first I was like, what the fuck, did I miss something? But it's because inevitably there's a school shooting. Mm. Okay, so it's 2018. It's been two years since the shooting at Cooper's school. At first, Cooper didn't think he was all that affected by Parkland. But then a few weeks later, students call for a nationwide walkout. And Cooper decides to join it. And as survivors of our own school shooting, we have decided students walk out of their classes in protest, calling for gun reform and an end to school shootings. We believe that no other student should have to be scared to go to school. Cooper and his classmates get detentions for it. And a lot of people in town think that's pretty ridiculous to punish kids who've been through a school shooting for expressing their anger and pain that they're watching it happen again. So a lot of people go to the next school board meeting to talk about it. Cooper and Marty are there, and this is where they learn what the school is planning. I think they said next on the agenda is item blah, 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 um, discussing faster program and arming of school personnel. The board member who sent an email saying Madison should talk about arming school staff 
gives a presentation about this class that the school can sign up for called FASTER. FASTER is an acronym that stands for Faculty and Administrator Safety Training and Emergency Response. FASTER trains teachers to carry guns in school, as they explain on their website. It's designed for our school staff and administrators to deal with active killers. FASTER has been around since 2013. They claim to have trained over 3,000 teachers in 18 states. And often, they're invited by school boards to essentially pitch their arming teacher training. At the meeting, Cooper watches this board member, who has a kid in Cooper's class, propose sending Madison teachers to FASTER. The board member suggests they can keep it confidential. They don't need to say who will be carrying a gun. Law enforcement uses firepower to stop an active killer because that has been shown to be the best and most reliable way. This is not true. There was an armed police officer at Cooper's school. And actually, FBI data shows that a person with a gun isn't any more likely to stop a mass shooting than someone without one. But that's not what Faster is selling. They're part of a wider movement, working to get pro-gun laws passed. It's worked wonderfully throughout our country for decades. We're now simply applying that in our schools but to make it safer, we're adding additional training. Cooper and Marty are in the back, listening. We, we were in the back, wide-eyed, like, what? Because uh, it was the first we had heard about it. It was the first a lot of people in the meeting had heard about it. It was not only are you going to arm teachers, but this is how you're going to do it with this group of yahoos? And I think the night just sort of erupted into chaos from there. That night kicked off a years-long fight at Madison that's still going. It's about arming teachers, but really a lot of it is about how parents and students and teachers feel like they're being left out of the conversation about what safety should mean. The board is not being very open about what the plan actually is. Now on 11 and 11, does arming school staff members create safer schools? That is the debate happening right now for Madison local schools. Everyone was like... Did you hear what happened in the school board meeting last night? Eva Adams, the emo cheerleader, and her parents, they also start showing up at board meetings every month. At the same time, that group FASTER, which is part of a pro-gun lobbying group, the Buckeye Firearms Association, they start organizing in favor of arming teachers at Madison. Buckeye tweets to their supporters that they need people to show up at these board meetings, too. So I kind of just liked the drama, but then I became really (laughs) invested in hey, this isn't right, to not be transparent. The meetings are happening in public, but there's not much of a dialogue. Every month, students and parents are asking the school administration questions, like how many teachers are going to be armed? Where will they carry the gun? Ocean Ballard, who'd been in the cafeteria when the shooting started, had a whole list for her principal. Why didn't teachers get armed after the shooting? Why didn't we get more resource officers instead? Are they going to require teachers to have guns? Are the teachers going to volunteer? Do armed employees get a bonus? Where does the money come from to buy firearms from Can they bring in their own firearms? How do teachers even feel about this? Are the teachers allowed to shoot first or only after they hear the shots? I mean, they had people escorted out for asking questions. Like, they, they were just hostile. But while Cooper and Marty feel like the board is shutting them out, The school argues that they're actually being more transparent than they need to be. Under Ohio law, they don't have to tell the public they're arming teachers at all. 
The school board wouldn't give me an interview. They said school safety plans are confidential. But the board does tell parents a few things. Armed teachers will be volunteers. They're required to train with Faster or the local sheriff. They'll go through a background check and a psychological evaluation. The decision was already made. They already had their votes. They, they weren't interested in anything that anybody had to say. The superintendent, Curtis Philpot, he'd lived through the shooting and he'd been at the school for 16 years. And he did not agree with arming teachers. Every teacher in that building would need a gun. And how do you train that person? Then they're not really a teacher anymore. Now they're a police officer, which we had too. So um, I didn't feel like it was necessary. I, th- I saw more bad coming out of it than good. So he resigns. I was going to be the face of that policy. He said it wasn't the only reason, but... I was going to be the one that was going to have to explain it, to go out in front and share it and sell it, explain it to teachers, the kids, the families. I don't know that I'm that good of a liar that I could sell something that I didn't believe in. At the end of the summer of 2018, the school board makes a final decision. They've already sent some teachers to a faster training, and they vote unanimously to allow those teachers to be armed at the start of the school year. Parents sue, including Eva's parents. Marty brings his own case against the school board. It's a whole mess. I don't think there was any logical thing that we could have done to, I mean, at that point, like, the community members don't have any power. So when Cooper goes back to school in the fall of 2018, there are, supposedly, teachers with guns in their classrooms. Nobody is supposed to know exactly who they are, but... I was with those people for five years. It's a small town. Cooper and his dad think they have a pretty good guess. You know, and for me, any teacher that's like, yep, I want to be here, I want to have a gun around my students, to me is not a good teacher. It's not someone that I... It's not a healthy individual. Yeah. I knew who was armed and there was no fucking way I wanted those people with guns around my kid. This was not a back-to-school special. This was us watching our school, our elected officials, watching how ignorant and how deceptive these individuals were. That was the hardest part. So just a month or two into Cooper's junior year of high school, they move. They switch towns so that Cooper can go to a different school. Okay, so the teachers are now armed in Cooper School. What about other schools? Since Parkland, we have seen a huge expansion of armed teachers in the U.S. Again, Vice reporter Tess Owen found that it is now legal in 24 states for schools to arm their teachers or any other staff that they authorize. So that's now hundreds of districts representing thousands of schools where some staff are armed. And how's that been going? In some places, it is just as contentious as it was here in Madison. In other places, it isn't really a debate. Communities might actually be really supportive of it. Teachers are armed. There's no big deal. In other schools, people have no idea that it's happening at all. But for Cooper, it was a lesson. He's learned a lot from all of this. The shooting and the debate and everything that followed. He thinks a lot about Austin, the kid who shot him. Cooper thinks about what the school board is saying when they say they want to arm teachers. How they're saying they wish the shooting had ended differently. If Austin had been shot himself that day and died, that would have been a better outcome. Cooper is glad that Austin's not dead. He's glad a teacher didn't shoot him.
Jen, you're reporting on this story. How have you been thinking about this as you're reporting it out? Like, what's going through your mind? Well, there's one thing that I do come back to a lot. It's this quote by Anton Chekhov that you probably know. It goes, never put a loaded rifle on the stage if it's not going to go off. You don't want to make promises that you aren't going to keep. Right. Like if you put the gun there, you're saying that it will go off at some point. Yeah. And this quote is normally a metaphor about writing. But I keep thinking about it in the context of arming school staff. Like, if we just keep putting more and more guns into schools, what we're saying is that one of these days, someone is going to have to use it. There's no way to have fewer school shootings, just more guns. And I find that when communities are debating going down this path, a lot of the time it devolves into a thing about who's pro-gun and who's anti-gun. And I think that in that way, the gun itself can be kind of a distraction. It can keep us from asking the deeper question, which is who put the gun on stage in the first place and who keeps it there? So that's what I want to look at. Who decides that a gun is what safety looks like? Who the fuck do you think you are, you sex son of a bitch? I'm about to splatter your brains all over that pretty little white wall back here. So I spent some time at a faster training with teachers and school staff who want to be armed. If you're not just a little bit sick and twisted, this is probably not a job for you. So that's next on Vice News Reports, the second installment of our series, Armed. We go from theory to practice. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Special thanks to Tess Owen and Kira Phillips. Vice News Reports is produced by Sophie Kazis, Jen Kinney, and Adriana Tapia. Our senior producers are Ashley Cleek, Sam Greenspan, and Stephanie Kariuki. Our associate producers are Steph Brown, Sam Egan, and Adriana Rodriguez. Sound design and music composition by Steve Bone, Pran Bandy, and Kyle Murdoch. Mixing by Evan Sutton. Our executive producer is Adiza Egan. And the VP of Vice Audio is Kate Osborne. Janet Lee is Senior Production Manager for Vice Audio. Fact-checking by Catherine Barner. Our theme music is by Steve Bone. I'm Ariel Zumaras. If you could take the time to rate and review our podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, that would be really great because it really does help other people find the show. Vice News Reports drops every Thursday, so be sure to check back in next week. <laughs>